welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Tuesday, the 25th of July, with me, Bernadette Anderko. Today, our chief economist, Avi Cole, is on the show to talk about our currency outlook for the rest of 2023. And we're also going to get an update on Q2 earnings from our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rashita. But first, my colleague, Lucia Cicillovic, is going to bring us up to speed on the latest markets news. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, yesterday, Lucia, European investors had to digest the inconclusive results of the Spanish election and look ahead to a busy week of corporate earnings and central bank meetings. And yet another factor influencing equity performance is obviously manufacturing data. And we had some releases in Europe on that front yesterday. Can you tell us a little bit more, please? Sure, Bernadette. Well, the latest European Purchasing Managers Indices for July pointed to a slowdown in activity in France, Germany and the UK. This is adding to recession fears in Europe. Uh, so investors are now looking forward to Thursday's ECB meeting where policymakers are expected to announce a 25 basis point rate hike and provide guidance on their efforts to fight inflation. And how did the European markets actually react to these figures? So the figures sent investors running for the safety of bonds yesterday, with yields falling across the board. The euro also fell across the board, but has since recovered. The stock market was very mixed as equities also came under pressure from European company results that confirmed weakening consumer demand. Philips plunged after reporting a drop in new orders and Ryanair fell after cutting its traffic forecast. Okay, so turning to the US, we also received new data showing that business activity expanded at the slowest pace in five months in early July, as growth in the services sector slowed. Yes, so the composite PMI fell by 1.2 points to 52, but it is still in the so-called expansion zone, which indicates growth. Investors are now awaiting the Fed's interest rate decision this week, where market participants also expect a 25 basis point hike. It will be the last meeting until September, so investors will be listening closely to Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's comments to get a sense of the central bank's stance on the way forward. Okay, but the US uh, equity markets actually ended the day higher, and I think there was some interesting corporate news out of the US yesterday, wasn't there? Yes, there was. So among the individual movers was Mattel, the maker of Barbie. Its shares rose after the movie called Barbie became the top grossing film in US and Canadian cinemas. And then Elon Musk made headlines by rebranding Twitter as X and getting rid of the bird logo and all associated words like tweet and retweet. Um, so the new black X logo started to appear across the site yesterday, and it is assumed that Musk aims to transform the service into an everything app. But uh, not everyone thinks that the rebranding was a good move. According to Bloomberg, some estimate that the rebranding or renaming will have wiped out anywhere between 4 and 20 billion US dollar in value. Big number. <laughs> Let's leave the US aside then. Um, in China, the government signaled more support for the real estate sector alongside pledges to boost consumption and also to ease local government debt. Has the market reacted to that? So it was certainly considered good news. Uh, Chinese shares rallied, with technology shares in Hong Kong jumping more than 4%, while a China property stock gauge was on course to post the biggest gain since December. Other Asian markets were narrowly mixed, with the benchmark index in Australia marginally higher and Japanese equities trading slightly lower. 
In related news, the uh, offshore yuan advanced to its strongest level in more than a week after the People's Bank of China continued its support for the currency. And the commodity-heavy Australian dollar, which is sensitive to China's growth outlook, gained as well. Okay, you mentioned commodities there. Um, perhaps a, a few words on the latest moves in these markets. Yeah, so wheat and corn futures continue to rise, extending last week's surge in price. This comes as Russia attacked one of Ukraine's biggest river ports. Oil also held near a three-month high as the stimulus in China suggests increased demand. And um, gold is also up slightly, but investors there are really waiting for the Fed rate decision later this week. Okay, uh, so what can investors expect from the day ahead, Lucia? In terms of economic data, in focus today are the German IFO business climate figure as well as the US consumer confidence number. Then, of course, we will have a bunch of companies reporting. Um, looking at the futures board, the picture is mixed in both Europe and the US. So let's see where the markets will go from here. Okay, thank you so much, Lucia, for that comprehensive summary. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. So uh, yesterday I promised you a closer look at our final mid-year market outlook topic, currencies. And today David Coll is joining the show from Frankfurt to share his thoughts with us. Good morning, David. Good morning, Bernadette. So I guess I should start with a reminder of those currency calls for listeners. We said that there'd be a gradually weakening US dollar, the question of de-dollarization, strengthening Swiss franc, um, the Japanese yen potentially benefiting from uh, BOJ policy shifts and uh, emerging market high-yielding currencies benefiting from higher carry. Are we still making these calls or has anything uh, materially changed, David? Well, half a year changed. So uh, in this uh, respect, uh, some of the calls have moved uh, actually in our direction and we are much closer to achieving these levels we, we are looking at. Uh, one call we had to change uh, in the other direction and which didn't play out in the first half of this year. And this is in particularly the Japanese yen. Uh, we were betting on uh, a shift in uh, policy, in monetary policy, and particularly in Japan, given uh, that they have the same issue as the rest of the world, namely rising inflation. This is pretty new for Japan. This is pretty new also for the monetary authorities, which were waiting a long time for a shift from a deflationary mindset to more inflation. And our take uh, has been uh, already in the first half of this year that some response from monetary authorities will follow. So it means tighter monetary policy and of uh, zero interest rate policy also in Japan. And um, we were betting on some, some tailwinds uh, for the Japanese uh, yen on that. Um, we have to acknowledge that uh, Japanese authorities, the central bank, and particularly the Bank of Japan, is pretty reluctant, pretty hesitant to react uh, fast and quick uh, to the rising inflation, inflation expectations we are observing. Also, wage inflation is kicking in in Japan, something pretty new. And uh, so for the reminder of the year, for the, for the second half of the year, we think that we have to postpone this, shift, this policy shift, uh, which is coming in Japan. We acknowledge really that uh, the, the Bank of Japan will take longer time to assess the situation and in particular to look if this return of inflation is persistent and only then shift policy. In what has not changed indeed is that this will be uh, a, a tailwind uh, for the Japanese yen. So we just postpone basically this appreciation of the Japanese yen, this correction or the, the, the recovery of the Japanese yen, which has indeed uh, suffered uh, in the first half of this year uh, from this divergence policy um, in Japan 
really from the rest of the world. Okay, so uh, when it comes to the US dollar, uh, US data is finally seeming to confirm a slowdown inflation, allowing us to expect now a one and done rate hike from the US on Thursday. Is that going to set off accelerated weakness in the dollar? Well, with the dollar, uh, probably all the things have fallen in place uh, to um, that the dollar weakness has largely materialized. This is our take. We think that uh, interest rate hikes, interest rate differentials, also versus other currencies, will not play the major role as it played uh, at the beginning of the year, the first half of this year. This was uh, definitely a, a headwind for the U.S. dollar that was contributing to weakness. Not so much uh, that the Fed was uh, not hiking rates anymore, but that other central banks uh, uh, also hiked rates and uh, did not increase, uh, or the, the interest rate advantage of the U.S. dollar did not increase. Quite the contrary, it decreased against important other currencies, including the euro. Um, and uh, this has uh, definitely contributed that this very expensive U.S. dollar has depreciated. And uh, when we're just talking about times and about just one week, uh, then definitely the past two weeks had been very decisive uh, for this uh, U.S. dollar move uh, lower. Uh, so we have seen uh, a big, big move uh, to the uh, lower U.S. dollar in, in the past two weeks, when indeed um, inflation was coming down faster. And at the same time, the probability of a soft landing in the U.S. at least has increased. So something uh, we would call a Goldilocks scenario. Uh, this is uh, something which financial markets started to look at. And then you have immediately the situation where uh, risk appetite is returning. Uh, this is negative uh, uh, usually for the U.S. dollar. This helps other currencies outside the U.S. dollar. That was the past two weeks. Uh, we just heard in the intro that this has not to be like every day. Uh, so with PMI readings uh, showing that uh, indeed the economy is slowing, indeed the economy is cooling probably faster uh, than, than, than hoped uh, by most observers, uh, this gives the US dollar then at least for some days another boost uh, uh, from this perspective. Uh, when there is a sell-off in market, when there is a uh, risk aversion in the market, this helps the US dollar. The big picture really over the next uh, half year is we think that most of the move in the correction of the US dollar we were forecasting for this year has already materialized. And from here on, we don't have the big drivers and we have not the big conviction anymore that the US dollar will depreciate against currencies uh, the like uh, euro or the British pound. Okay, thanks for that. Um, now, another call was for the strengthening Swiss franc. We recently reached an eight-year high against the dollar, and I think uh, the Swiss franc's the best-performing G10 currency year to date. Uh, can it go further from here? That's indeed the case. Uh, so for the, for the Swiss franc, uh, that basically applies. It, it's traded uh, against the US dollar in line or slightly better uh, than the euro, slightly better uh, than the British pounds, simply given the favorable uh, fundamentals the Swiss franc has to offer. It's one of the currencies which gives you the most purchasing power, so namely not so much inflation as other currencies, so you can buy much more, uh, adjusted by price increases with, uh, with uh, Swiss franc over time. This has definitely helped here in this high inflation episode to favor uh, the Swiss franc. At the same time, going forward, we think there are headwinds for the Swiss franc, and particularly at these levels, which had been reached now, and particularly in a situation where you actually compare 
interest rate in different currencies. Uh, the Swiss National Bank has comparably low uh, policy rates compared to other central banks. And uh, given the quite benign inflation outlook, we think it's one of the central banks where additional interest rate hikes are less likely. So this is a natural uh, headwind for the Swiss franc going forward. So uh, we don't think it might, it might be able to repeat uh, this stellar performance we have seen in the first half of this year. We think it will be here as well. The drivers uh, of weak U.S. dollar supporting also the Swiss franc among other currencies. Uh, the advantage it has uh, due to lower, lower inflation. All these things uh, will peter out. Um, and the only uh, tailwind uh, which remains for the Swiss franc is indeed the huge amount of currency reserves the Swiss National Bank has. Uh, it can, it might intervene or not directly intervene, but sell off these currency reserves. Uh, this is a constant uh, tailwind and might offset any negative factors coming uh, from an interest rate disadvantage the Swiss franc has against uh, most of the other currencies. Okay. And finally, these emerging market high-yielding currencies. Uh, what's your focus there for the rest of the year? In emerging market high-yielding currencies, and that applies in particularly to Latin American uh, currencies, uh, here uh, we had a very good performance at the beginning of the year. And of course, the explanation is the yield advantage these currencies are enjoying. Uh, we think uh, this has, is still an attractive uh, buying uh, preposition uh, for emerging market currencies. You get this high uh, carry, and in particular in situations where you have uh, risk appetite at financial markets, these trades tend to do quite good. At the same time, uh, will there be higher interest rate differentials? Well, probably not. So we're reaching here the peak uh, of interest rates also in emerging markets. Keep in mind, these are central banks which have been pretty early to hike interest rates ahead of the Fed ahead of other central banks, in, and they are pretty early probably also to start uh, stopping this rate hiking cycle and even considering uh, rate cuts. Um, this can be a potential uh, headwind for emerging market currencies. So similar to the other calls, uh, we think that the best of these calls is behind us. Probably some, uh, some potential left here, in particularly when these currencies tend to offer still superior yield uh, compares to currencies like the Swiss franc, uh, like the euro, but also like the US dollar. So thank you, David, for that uh, thorough um, overview of what we're expecting for currency markets for the rest of the year. And don't forget to listen to the call on Friday when Tim Gage is going to be here to join Helen Freer and talk about how investors are translating these calls into practice. So now it's time to turn to the earnings season in a bit of detail. Good morning to you, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. Uh, so the Q2 earnings season in the US is in full swing, Mathieu, and I think about a quarter of the S&P 500's market cap have already reported results. What can we tell from uh, the results so far? Yeah, so, so far, um, expectations have been met. So we have 75% of the corporates that reported so far that have beaten consensus earnings expectations, which is higher than the 10-year average of 73%. In terms of sectors, it's especially in um, IT, but also communications and healthcare, they're surprising most positively this season around, while financials and materials have the lowest uh, beat ratio. In aggregate, if you look at the aggregate number here, earnings for the S&P 500 are tracking a 6.4% beat so far, which is in line with the long-term average of the 10-year average, mainly due to the better than expected operating margin. So overall, quite a good start into the Q2 earnings season. 
Okay. And is there um, anything in particular to read into the guidance that companies are giving? And, and in fact, has the market actually reacted to the results? Yes. So that has been a, quite an interesting one here. So if you look at comments from the management, they rather say that demand the demand outlook is rather mixed. But if you look at the, uh, at the guidance they give for the second half of this year, it is surprisingly strong. So there has been 1.6 times more companies with above consensus guidance compared to below consensus guidance. But you know, despite the solid guidance the companies give, the stock price reaction for those companies that report better than expected earnings has been rather muted. So historically, companies who reported earnings above consensus saw the stock price on average outperform the market by 1%. But this time around, the stock price only outperformed the market by 0.6% on average. But you know what's more interesting here is the stock price reaction of companies that actually missed expectations. So on average, um, they saw their stock price um, outperform the market by 1.4% this earnings season around, which compares to a five-year average of minus 2.2%. And this really indicates that investors are looking beyond the temporary week results and starting to play the recovery ahead. Okay, you talk about the recovery ahead. So looking forwards, um, this week is going to mark the busiest week in terms of earnings reports. Are you recommending that clients stay invested? Yes, definitely. So you know, in terms of earnings, we mainly see two key tailwinds for the second half of this year. First, the comparables will get much easier. Because you know, if you look back at the first half of 2022 of last year, earnings grew by 10%. So that was a really high bar for the first half of this year to beat. But in the second half of 2022, earnings grew by only 1%, so a much lower bar here. And then secondly, um, we talked about that also before, the US dollar will start to translate from being a headwind to a tailwind for the second half of this year. So overall, we recommend staying invested with a focus on quality growth, such as IT and communications, coupled with some defensive plays, such as healthcare and Swiss equities. Thanks so much for the update, Mathieu. Hopefully we can have you or one of your team on the show next week to fill us in on how this big batch of results actually pans out. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you, of course, for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give us a review on whichever platform you choose to listen to us. Please join me and my expert guests again tomorrow to find out more about what's moving markets. And meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.